All right. Thank you for joining us today. Another week of uh, Sunday of Gospel Saving Church. I uh, can't wait to jump into our scripture today. We're going to be blown away by how much we're going to study today. You guys are not going to believe what we're going to study in the scripture today. It's uh, pretty mind-blowing. We're going to study half of one verse. So, half of one verse. We're going to study Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4, verse 11. And we're going to study the second half of that verse. And we're going to uh, name this service the Comforter. That's the name of the service, the Comforter. So if you'll join me in a word of prayer for our opening of our service today, and we can uh, jump in and see what God has to say to us. So Lord Jesus, thank you for bringing us all here today. Whew, thank you for this gorgeous day. Day, what your word could be spoken, Lord, and we have the freedoms in this country. I thank you for those too. Where we can op gather openly, Lord, unlike in China and other parts of the world, Lord God, where people cannot gather openly and freely under fear of pressure from different religious organizations that hate you and that persecute Christians to death, Lord God, in other countries, China and Pakistan and Iran and so I thank you, Lord God, that you have us here and we have the freedoms that we have in this country to study your word. I thank you for each and every person, Lord God, that will listen to this message and those that are here to hear your word. Because that's why we're all here, Lord God, because of your word. I wouldn't be sitting here, I wouldn't be reading your word, I wouldn't be studying if it wasn't for you and what you've done for me. So I pray, Lord God, that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit today. And I pray that you would reach out by your Holy Spirit and touch the hearts of the listeners. That they would hear your word. And Lord God, just like one of the very first services we ever did, Lord God, that they would respond one way or the other. I pray that they would make a response and act on what they hear today. And not just be hearers only. I pray that you would keep the enemy out. Lord God, keep Satan out of this gathering. I ask that you would bind him. And that he wouldn't distract us. From everything that we'll learn today. And everything that we'll hear. And I pray your spirit would have free course. I got to do the things and say the things that you want to say. And do. And I pray that you would add to this congregation here, that you would grow this church according to your will, according to your desire. Anyway, well, Lord, we love you and we praise you. Let my words be like gold today to those that hear them. Filled with the power of your Holy Spirit, God, may your words go forth, pure and holy. We love you and we praise you. I just ask all these things in Jesus' name. So turn with me to Matthew chapter 4, verse 11. That's what we'll be reading today. We'll read the whole verse over, but we're only going to study on half of the verse. God has something really awesome that he wants to speak to us today. So Matthew chapter 4, verse 11. We covered the first part of last week's 
message, or we covered the first part of this verse in last week's message, but the second part I really didn't touch on it, so we'll read it. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. So as I was just about to study for this verse, for this chapter, actually for this next verses that I was going to study for this church service, the Lord laid it on my heart. So the way it kind of works is, is I kind of take today and I work in the morning and I do the service. and But then after that, I take the rest of the day off. Just relax. Just calm down and just settle down and just relax. And I don't really work on anything till Monday. I kind of get home after work. Or actually, I do it uh, at about, I start to study the service usually from 1 to 2 o'clock on Monday afternoon. I start there. I sit in my car or whatever, wherever I am start to work for us. So as I was sitting down to look at what I was about to read and study this week, I started reading Matthew chapter 4, verse 12. Now when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he departed to Galilee. So as I was starting to read the next segment, called in, my, in the New King James Version, it says Jesus begins his Galilean ministry. As I started to do that, I kept as I kept going, I wasn't getting anything. Like the Lord wasn't speaking to me about anything. And I'd been I'd always pray, Lord, what do you want me to speak on this next Sunday? You know, what do you want me to do? And uh, he wasn't giving me anything, and I was kind of feeling this go back. Go back, go back, look up, look up, look up. So I I looked up to verse 11, and it had dawned on me that I only really elaborated on the first half of this verse 11 last week. Then the devil left him and behold, this so and the devil left him and we talked about how the devil left him because you know Christ was so powerful, you know away with you Satan and how powerful Christ is over Satan and so on and so forth. But I never really and even last week right after service, I feel like the Lord kind of spoke to me late on my heart, you didn't really elaborate on the second half of verse 11. So I said, "Hmm, and I had that in my mind, and then when I started on Monday looking at it, uh, I started reading it over and so on and so forth, and, and, I, and the Lord put it on my heart, you left it out. And so I went, well, what is so important about, and behold, the angels came and ministered to him. So as I started to work and receive from the Lord what he would have to tell me for what I was going to speak on this week, he showed me why it was so important. Here we have Jesus just having a great spiritual battle against Satan. The Spirit drove him into the wilderness. He had this great spiritual battle that he went through, and he won. And remember, he only did that for us. That was that three-part kind of thing we did, love and sacrifice, three parts. He only went through that for us. We must never forget that. But he won, and Satan was defeated. Praise God that he can be defeated. And we talked about how we have that power as long as we have Christ living within us. We have that power to defeat him and so on and so forth. And hallelujah. But what about this second half of the verse? Well, Christians need to see that we have light and power and strength through the spiritual battles that we'll go through and even after the battle is over. And that's what's so important about the verse that I left out. So the topic of today's study is going to be the comforter. Just like I said, that's the name of the study is the comforter. So you see, 
Just like the angels came here and ministered to Jesus when he was done with this great spiritual battle, we have one greater that ministers to us in the battle and after the battle, greater than the angels, and his name is the Comforter, better known as the Holy Spirit. So we'll be elaborating today, although we're only going to study one half a verse in Matthew, we're actually going to be studying in John, Gospel of John, chapters 14 through 16. So if you want to get there now, and you want to go and turn to John 14 through 16, John chapters 14, 15, and 16, we're going to read quite a bit out of John chapter 14, 15, and 16. Uh, so why? Why do we have to go back and just study half a verse? Well, the Lord showed me that he wanted us to understand who and what the role of his Holy Spirit is in people's lives, wherever they're even at with him. So if we go to John chapter 14 first and go to, down to verses 15 through 18, Jesus is going to be speaking, and I'll give you a moment to get there. So John chapter 14, verses 15 through 18. And we're going to start to see the role that the Holy Spirit plays in people's lives. We touched on this before in other services. Jesus speaking in verse 15 says, If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, slash comforter, the words are the same, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Notice Jesus said about the helper slash comforter, because the King James says comforter, and the New King James says helper. And when you go, we're going to look at the definition just a little bit about what the definition of the comforter is or the helper is. It really is the same thing because you see that his role that he plays, he comforts, he helps. It's kind of a dual. So the word could be translated either way. So notice Jesus said the helper, the helper and the comforter would was with them but would be in them. This he would be in them, part of verse 17, is where we'll be focusing today. He will be in them. And this all goes back to, remember, the angels came and ministered to him. And the one greater that we have that can minister and that does minister to people. So I've had some pretty tough spiritual battles in my Christian life. And I can tell you that when I cry out to God, the Lord God for help. He, by the Holy Spirit, helps me, number one, to overcome the battles that I go through. And afterwards, He, the Holy Spirit, helps me, the Comforter helps me and ministers to me and refreshes me even after the spiritual battle is over. Just as He was doing in Christ's life here the whole time. Philippians 4 Verse 6 and 7, you don't have to turn there. Paul tells us, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, 
with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. This peace is only given by the Comforter, the Holy Spirit. So we have the Comforter. In the Greek, the word is parakletos. That's the, and the definition is, there's a couple different definitions, and we'll, we'll give the ones that pertain exactly what we're talking about here. In the widest sense, a helper, a socorer, an aider, an assistant. Now, socorer, because I had no idea what in, the word, what in the world that word meant, socorer. I had to actually go to, to the regular English definite, you know, dictionary and look up the word socorer. And if you're having trouble with that one as I was... Uh, here's here's the definition of the definition word, which I hate when I have to do that, but you know I'm not very smart, so so it's someone. Notice a socorer was the definition of the comforter or Holy Spirit, and notice the definition in a secular in a secular dictionary. This is the definition: someone, and that's the point that I want to get across here. The Holy Spirit, the comforter, is a person. It's a someone. He's not a it. It's not a thing, it's someone. Someone who gives help in times of need or distress or difficulty. And, second part of a definition of about three parts, the Holy Spirit, caught by the comforter now, destined to take the place of Christ with the apostles after his ascension to the Father to lead them to a deeper knowledge of the gospel truth and to give them divine strength needed to enable them to go through trials and persecutions on behalf of the divine kingdom. So, what were we looking at? And the angels came and ministered to him. And we have one greater that ministers or can minister to us in the midst of these things this is the whole purpose. Look at what God did. He showed me this half a verse, and he showed me about, he wanted us to understand this. Let's, let's just keep jumping into it. So remember, the Holy Spirit is the same one. This same Holy Spirit, same comforter, is the same one that drove Christ into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan, for us, of course. Um, here in verse 11, Jesus had the same Holy Spirit that would have been with him, in him, and also, he had the angels, too, who were there taking care of his physical needs. As we cannot forget that Christ was near the point of death, hungry. So the angels, of course, had to come so he could, uh, they could give him some food as he was in desperate need, desperate need of food. Now, we don't get a lot to look at what the Holy Spirit was doing in the life of Christ on the inside, comforting but we do get a chance to look at what the Holy Spirit was doing and what, what he did for Jesus in the scripture. So if you want to, if you don't have to go, but if you'd like to go over to Luke chapter 4, verse 1, we're going to be looking at verse, verses 1 and verses 14, which is that other parallel uh, scripture to what we looked at before. Luke chapter 4, verse 1. Now, this account of the Holy Spirit's work in the, Lord, work in the life of the Lord uh, was after the baptism of John, but before the wilderness experience. 
Luke chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. So remember we talked about how the Holy Spirit led Christ into the wilderness. But what about before that? He was baptized in the river, in the river Jordan by John. Then, look at what happened. The Holy Spirit, he was being filled with the Holy Spirit. This was after the baptism of John. Being filled with the Holy Spirit. Look at what the Lord was doing. Look what God was doing. Filling Christ with his Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because God knew that Jesus was going to need some awesome power to get through these temptations that Satan was going to throw at him. Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit. Wow. And again, go down, if you want, about 13 verses. This was after the temptations. Satan comes, tempts Jesus. Angels come, minister to him. Look what we read again. Now, we don't get this account of Matthew. Again, this is Luke, but still a parallel passage. Remember, I told you it's four different perspectives of how you know, these people recorded it, all knowing Christ, all knowing the experiences, all knowing what happened. Verse 14, Then Jesus, now this is after the angels came and ministered to him, so this is kind of like would be before this verse 11. Then Jesus returned in the power of the Holy Spirit to Galilee, and the news of him went out through all the surrounding regions. Now that would be before, that would be, before verse 11, or right after, excuse me, right after verse 11 here in Matthew. This is what the Holy Spirit was doing in the life of Christ right after the angels came and ministered to him. Then the Holy Spirit, being filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, he went up to Galilee and started ministry. So look at, we don't get to see what was going on inside Christ, but we do get to see how Jesus was doing all these things that he was doing. He was being filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's actually how he was able to even return. Now you think, think for a moment with me. This just popped into my mind. You just went 40 days and 40 nights with nothing to eat. That's pretty famishing. I don't know that I would be able to really be good for much of anything after 40 days and 40 nights with nothing to eat. I'd have to be, I'd have to take a vacation. I'd have to go to the Bahamas or something and slowly get some liquids into me and everything. And, and they've even talked about, I've heard about this process about the, having no food for X amount of time. You, you can't just like eat a steak dinner right away. You die. Because the influx of food to a stomach that has had no food would be such an impact on it, would take such a, such a toll on your body, you would be devastated if you just went ahead and ate right away and ate a lot of food. So, but here, but here, we see that not very long after, now we don't get a time, but from verse 11 to verse 12, now when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he departed to Galilee, and in you know, Luke 4.14, then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. The news of him went throughout all the surrounding regions. He did this, right? Bam! 
it wasn't two weeks or a month or six months or something. He did this relatively soon, right after he had nothing to eat for 40 days and 40 nights. The only way this was possible was by the Holy Spirit giving him the strength and power to go do that. I can tell you right now, every Friday night when I go out, I go out and me and another brother go out and we preach the gospel on a street in Dallas called Harry Hines and Walnut Hill. And I can tell you that generally I don't get home and get in bed till right around anywhere from 1 to 2 o'clock in the morning. Now that day, I usually get up around 4.30 or 5 o'clock in the morning, right around 4.15 to 4.30, and I'm up and not going to bed till anywhere around 2. So I'm up for right around 22 hours nearly. That's almost a complete 24-hour period. And the next morning, I so try to sleep in so badly, but so many times I cannot. So many times I'm up at 7 or 8 o'clock in the morning. And I just went 22 plus hours, or right, right around 22 hours, going, working, and studying, and going on and so on and so forth and doing my thing and working for the Lord. Then I get up the next day and then it's not a Saturday off by any means. It's not a, I get to come home and relax and chill out and just cool down. No, I got to get up in the morning. I got to look at my service for tomorrow. I got to look at my notes for, for Sunday, which would be today. And I got to start looking at that. Then I have to go and I have to clean the house. We, we and my whole family, we kind of clean the house together. And so I pretty much go a good half to three quarters of the day on Saturday too. And I'm tired, but God gives me the strength and the ability and the power to do this week after week after week after week after week. I've been doing this for probably right around four or five years. Every day, every every Friday and Saturday like this. I'm perfectly healthy. Hardly ever get sick. How do I do this? God fills me with the power of his Holy Spirit to go and do this work that I do. Just like Christ here returned in the power of the Spirit right from 40 days and 40 nights, the worst temptations man has ever faced ever, Christ went through in that 40 days and 40 nights. It was horrible. Isn't God amazing how he works? Amen. So what else does the Holy Spirit do per scripture? Not per... Now, I know that from my own uh, experiences that God gives me the power and the strength to do that. And we saw that God gave Christ the power and strength to go rise up after this 40 days and 40 nights and do this. So what else does the Holy Spirit do? And what is his purpose in our lives for us, either whether you're a Christian or whether you're not walking with the Lord and you're not saved. Let's look. Well, God tells us that the Holy Spirit is how he accomplishes things. In Zechariah 4, 6, it's Old Testament, I'll read it. So God answered and said to Zechariah, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. So how does God even accomplish anything or do anything for anybody but by my spirit, saith the Lord? That's just how God works by his Holy Spirit. He is the power of God in Acts 
we read here Jesus talking to his disciples right before he ascends in Luke, or I'm sorry, in Act, Luke records Acts 1.8. But you, speaking to the disciples, shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Exactly that power that Christ had here Exactly the power that Christ had here when he was being led from the wilderness to ministry. That's the power, Acts 1.8. Uh, he is the one that leads mankind into all truth. And well, just so much more, we have to go to the Gospel of John, chapters 15 and 16, as I mentioned earlier. And uh, we're going to read about all more, so much more that the Holy Spirit does. And this is all kind of based upon, remember, how we read about um, John chapter 14, how Jesus said he would be, he, he is with you and he will be in you. Now, this is all the working of the Holy Spirit in you. And read with me in John chapter 15, verse 26. If you're already there, if you're not, I'll give you a chance to get there. John chapter 15, go down with me to verse 26. We'll read, but when the helper comes, slash comforter, that's it's that word, parakletos, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. And you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. So look there. He's the spirit of truth. So there's the spirit of lie, which is from Satan, and the spirit of truth, which is from God. Look at here. The spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father. So he's the spirit of truth. What will he do? He will testify of Christ. That's another thing he'll be doing. You also bear witness of me, he says. Now go to John 16, and we're going on to verse 5. John 16, one chapter more. John 16, verse 5. But now I go away to him who sent me. Jesus again telling the disciples about how he's going to be leaving and how he's going to be getting up and he's going to be getting out of this world in the flesh. And none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. The disciples were sad. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. Wow. Think about that for a minute. The disciples with Jesus, they love him. They're serving him. You know, they worship him with their lives every day. They're hanging out with him, fellowship. And he says to them that it would be to your advantage if I go away. What? I mean... If I'd have been Matthew, Mark, Luke, or Matthew, John, so on and so forth, the other disciples, I don't know, what do you mean it's to my benefit that you go away? I love you. I love you. Peter, in one profession, says, Lord, I will go and I will die with you. But no, Jesus told me he won't. But nevertheless, he said it would be to your advantage. Now, think about that. Jesus, the Son of the living God in the flesh, says it will be to your advantage if I go away. 
Because he knew what was coming. I should say, he knew who was coming. He says, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousnesses and of judgment, of sin because they do not believe me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you will see me no more, of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when the Spirit of Truth, there it is again, Spirit of Truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth. For He will not speak of His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak. And He will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, Jesus is saying, for he will take of what is mine and declare it, or, or another word for that would be speak it to you. All things that the Father are all things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I said that he will take of mine and declare it or say it to you. Now, have you ever heard a Christian say? The Lord just speaking to me the other day. Oh, the Lord said to me the other day, or I heard the Lord, or He, the Lord put something on my heart, and you go, what in the world? Or I, I kind of was kind of crazed out like by this when I first got saved. Uh, what are you, what are you talking about? The Lord spoke to you, huh? Go back, go back to John fifteen twenty six, verses. Uh, 5 through 16. Look what he says. Look at all the rest of the things are, and then we'll get to that one in the last. Look at what he says. He will come, he will convict the world of sin. So, why do people get convicted of sin when they do sin? The Holy Spirit is convicting people of sin. It's another thing he does. He'll also talk to them about righteousness. What righteousness is. Lead people, help people, make those right decisions. What is righteousness? He also says he's going to judge. He's going to be the great judge of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. He says, 13, however, when the spirit of truth has come, and this is the most important part, he will guide you into all truth. So what is another thing the Holy Spirit does? He guides people into all truth. Now, do people want it? Are people open for it? Not necessarily, but he guides people into all truth. Look at what he says. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you, he will tell you things to come. Now remember in John 14, God puts it on my mind. Remember what he said? The world cannot see him because the world does not know him. But you will see him because you know him. Look at what John just said here, and again, in 15, or 16, 13. Whatever he hears, he will speak. He will tell you things to come. Well, so what do you mean? What do you mean God speaks to you, Ed? What do you mean God speaks to you, Christian? Well, right here. He will tell you things to come. 
He will glorify me. One of the things that the Holy Spirit does is he glorifies Christ. The world always wants to say, different religions say, oh, Jesus is just a good teacher, just a good prophet, just a good this, just a good that, just a good moral teacher. But yet the Bible says here that the Holy Spirit, one of the things he'll do as he comes is he will glorify Christ. And then he will take up what is mine and declare it or speak it to you. So, well, that Christian said that God speaks to him. Well, how is that possible? Well, we just knew from John now. John said, that's how God speaks to mankind. For whatever he has, he only heard it from God. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said, he will take of mine and declare it to you. So he hears and declares the things that he sees and hears Christ and God speak and he speaks it to people that are his. Pretty amazing stuff. Pretty amazing stuff. So we see many different ways the Holy Spirit works. Zacharias, remember, he's the power. He is the way God does things. He's the way God works. He gives people that are his the power to live the life that God says that I want you to live. John 14, 15 through 18, he is with people and can be in them depending on people. And of course, he's the helper, comforter, leads us and guides us into all truth, speaks to us things from God. He does all these things, convicts the world of sin, tells us about righteousness, judges the ruler of this world, which we already know by our previous sermons, which is Satan. So why now? Go back with me to that question I asked earlier. Why take an entire church service to go over this one topic? Well, simply because God loves us very much. And he doesn't want us to perish. He doesn't want us to burn in hell forever. God wants all of us, every person listening, everyone in here to understand his helper, to his comforter, and also to be able to receive the Holy Spirit. And of course, be saved. John chapter 3 tells us another huge important thing that the Holy Spirit does for us. John chapter 3, verse 1. I'll let you get there just a few chapters back. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, and no one can do the signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered most assuredly and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So wait a minute. Born again. What would your thoughts be to that statement if that was made to you? How can I go back into my mother's womb and be born a second time I'm 38 years old and yet the Holy Spirit born again well look at here Nicodemus in verse 4 Nicodemus said to him how can how can a man be born when he is old can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born so Nicodemus was not born again so therefore he didn't understand what born again is and being born again, as we'll see, we keep reading verse 5, Jesus answered and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, 
unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. Paracletos. The Holy Spirit. The Helper. The Comforter. Unless one is born of the Holy Spirit, of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So the Holy Spirit is also the one that gives us admission to heaven. And without him being living in you, as we read earlier, he will be with you. For he is with you and he will be in you, then there is no entrance into heaven. Not only is there no entrance into heaven, but there's also no God speaking to us and telling us things, comforting us, helping you in your life, who can't need help when they're living their lives on an everyday basis. This life is horrible. And there's so many evil things that will happen to us. So many mean people that will hurt us. Who wouldn't want? And if God's willing to offer him, why wouldn't anybody and everybody want to have the Holy Spirit? But unfortunately, for mankind's sake, everybody doesn't get him. But God wants everybody to have him. So desire, as we go over the next few verses right before we get ready to close, desire is what I want you to think about as we read these next verses. Go ahead with me from John chapter 3 and go ahead four chapters to John chapter 7. I told you we were going to be looking at John almost all day today. John is full of God's revelation on the Holy Spirit. John chapter 7, verses 37 to 39. Remember I said I want you to camp on the word desire as we're reading these next verses. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. What is he saying? Read it again with me. On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. How can we drink Jesus? Huh? I don't understand. We can't drink him. He's a man. But what Jesus was saying to us here, If anyone thirsts, remember I told you to camp on that word, Desire? The people realize 
He wants people to realize. He needs you to realize. If you're not with him. That you're thirsty. Notice being noticing you're thirsty is a desire. After you've had a great big double big gulp. And you're so full after you've had a great. You don't realize you're hungry and thirsty. But if you're in a desert. And you're walking through that desert. For a day or two. And you haven't had anything to drink. You realize you're thirsty. And he says, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Notice that desire led to them doing something. Taking an action. Let him come to me and drink. For he who believes in me, and that word believe is deceptive, especially in the modern church. It's that word believe is very deceptive. He who believes in me, as the scripture says, is how he follows it. He doesn't just say, he who has a mental belief in me, but he who believes in me, as the scripture says. And then look what happens. So they had a desire. They came and drank. And he says, if you believe in me, as the scripture says, look what happens. There's evidence. For out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Desire. Action on desire. From that, evidence comes forth. Out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So, the, so if the Holy Spirit has been given to you, this means that you are born again. For that which is born of flesh is flesh, but that which is born of spirit is spirit. If the Holy Spirit has been given to you and you're listening to this, then you are born again, like we read earlier. For Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 2, or 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Desire, they came, they drank of who he was, which means they believed, even their belief doesn't even mean just regular head belief, it means drinking, it means supping, it means going to, it means grabbing hold of, it means more than just a belief. And then after that happens, rivers of living water will come from his life. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. No one that's not born again. What does being born mean? Being born is you're being born a new creature. You're being up when a baby's born, he's a new creature that comes into the world. He's a new being. A completely new being. Are you a new creature that we looked at in the Gospel of John, chapter 7, where rivers of living water are coming out of your life? A baby think he thinks different and he acts different and he says different things and he doesn't know how to speak it. Do you think, act, and speak and live a totally new godly way of life? Remember, the Holy Spirit would lead us and guide us into all truth. People even around you might notice that you've changed, that you're some kind of changed person. There's something different about you. What could that be? Things like you hate sin. 
You love reading God's Word all of a sudden. You just can't stay away from it. You love even getting with other Christians. You love being around Christians and talking about the Word of God. Again, you hate sin. For guess what? God, He hates sin. He loves people, but He hates sin. You have a desire to keep God's Word and His ways for your own life. These are some evidences. In this case, if that's so and you're born again, then you can tell me right now, the Lord speaks to me and communicates with me. And He'll speak to me and He'll say something or He'll put something on my heart and I have to go this way or I have to do this special thing. Or you'll be reading the Word of God and the Holy Spirit will speak to you something and convict you about some sin in your life or He'll tell you that you need to be doing something or so on and so forth. It's a whole new way of life like in we read in John 16, 13. And if this is you and you are born again, and you are, you can say, I'm, I hear from God. I love the Word. I love being around Christians. I hate sin. I just want to, I just wish I was on an island away from sin and I just wish it was all righteousness. But then again, oh, another, another evidence is that you want to start telling people about Jesus. And you should obey that because the Bible says that that's an evidence of your, Jesus said, those who follow me would be fishers of men. If this is you, then stay that course and draw nearer and nearer and nearer to God every day of your life and communicate with Him more and more and more and more every single day. And not only that, but obey Him. Continue to go in His Word. Continue to see what He has for you to do. And continue, as Paul said, to fight the good fight of faith. And continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, to continue to be obedient and trust in Him and follow Him. In every situation, no matter how difficult, to trust in Him, no matter how difficult the situation is. If that is not you and you're honest with yourself and you're sitting there right now and you think, well, I'm not a new creature. I mean, I have a belief in Jesus, but I'm not new. I'm not different. I don't I don't even care if I ever read the Word of God or... Ah, uh, you know, I don't, yeah, whatever, sin, and sin doesn't even bother you, and you commit sin, and it doesn't bother you, and then if even if it commits you, even if it con con convicts you, sin convicts you, but you don't stop it? Jesus said, remember what we read in John 14? If you love me, keep my commandments, keep my word, and I will pray the Father, and he will send to you the Holy Spirit. If that's not you, God doesn't speak to you. You're not a new creature. You don't even care to read the Word of God. You, In fact, sin doesn't bother you. In fact, you may love it. I love sinning. It's great. It feels good. You don't live your life in a godly way. You don't desire anything of the Lord. Then I have bad news. But you're separated from Christ because you're not born again. Remember how I told you earlier, He wants everybody to have him. So it's not God's fault that he hasn't given you the Holy Spirit. It's your fault because you haven't asked and believed in Jesus and come to Jesus and drank him from Jesus like he wanted you to come and drink and be and live. And don't take my word for it. Look at Matthew chapter 10. I'm not even going to give you the verses because I just want you to hear it. I just want you to listen to it. I don't want you to go there. 
Jesus says in Matthew chapter 10, He who loves father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. He who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. If you love anything in this life more than Jesus, Jesus says, I'm not your Lord. Because he said, if you love anything in this life more than me, you're not worthy of me. And he says, And he who does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He doesn't repent. Hating everything in this life and loving Christ is repentance. It's turning away from the things of this life and the things of this world and sin and going and loving Christ. That's repentance. And he does not take up his cross losing your life, surrendering your life to this great God that loves you so much and follows me is not worthy of me. And then he caps it off with life again. He who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. He who finds his life will lose it. He who finds his life... Heaven, eternity, is called eternal life. Destruction is called eternal condemnation. He who finds his life, the life, eternal life, will lose his physical life. He'll lay down his physical life and he'll lose his physical life in God. And look at what he said. He who loses his earthly life I added that because that's what the scripture is saying. He who loses his earthly life, that surrender, will find it or eternal life. And if that's not you, you're listening and you realize, I don't have new life. God doesn't speak with me. I could care less about these things of God, but you know what? I know this God loves me. Because how could you not if I've not showed you how much God loves you over this past three weeks, four weeks, then I ought to resign right now because I'm doing a terrible job. But if you can't see how much God loves you through this through this Matthew chapter 4 and the whole New Testament, I, I don't know. You're never going to see it. What you need to do is repent. Turn to Him right now. And lose your life in God. And follow Christ before it's too late. And you reject God's love and His gift of His Spirit to the grave. And at that point, it's not God's fault why you plummet to hell forever. Because He tried everything to say, I love you, please come to me. He's been, your, your Spirit is next to you. It's leading you. It's guiding you. He is leading you and guiding you to the Father. He is leading you and guiding you to Christ. You're rejecting. It's not God's fault while you will spend the rest of eternity in hell. It's your fault that you don't turn to him now before it's too late. While he's reaching out to you right now, you can fall on your knees and repent and cry out to God. Tell him you're sorry at life that you've lived and tell him that you're ready for a new life.
that you're ready for a new life in God and He's ready to have you or you're ready for Him to have yours because you know you need Him. And be done with living your own way and choose to now live His ways. If you don't want Him now, God showed me this a while ago, if you don't want Him now and you reject His ways now, then you don't want him forever. It's not like, well, I just don't want it now, but I want heaven. Then you want, you want the benefits, but you don't want the job. Man, I want that 401k. Boy, I want that early retirement. Boy, I want all these good things. But I, I don't, I, I don't, I don't want to be hired. Just, just give them to me. Because if you don't want him now, and if you don't care about him now, and if you don't turn to him now, you tell him that you don't want him now. And he knows then when you die, at that point when you die, you'll stand before the judgment seat of Christ. That's what the Bible says. For it's a point for man to die once, and then comes the judgment. And you're not going to want him forever. And it's not his fault that he has to send you to hell because he doesn't want you to be where you don't want to be. He doesn't want you to be in heaven with him forever like he wants you to be. He knows that you don't want that now. Why are you going to want that for forever? Because heaven is not just this place where we kick back and do whatever. Heaven is a place where we serve him, where we fall in love with him more, while we, where we sing to him off and on, where we serve him, where we cling to him, and that where we're around him. Heaven is all about us and him. It's not about, oh, I get these, this, or that, or the other thing. It's not about all these great things that I get. It's all about what we get. We get him. We get him forever. Now please turn now and surrender your life. Well, you know that God loves you and you still have a choice to do that. Cry out to Him. Surrender yourself now. Pray with me if you would, please. We'll close out. Thank you so much, dear God, for this word. Thank you so much for this half a verse. And the angels came and ministered to Him. And Lord, the Holy Spirit, your Holy Spirit wants to do the same thing now to us and for us, in us and through us. Lord God, thank you that you give this great gift, that you gave your gift to your Son. As Jesus, you spoke in John, Lord, you said, it is to your advantage that I go away. I can't even imagine that, but now that we get the Holy Spirit, and we get to have Him, and He gets to comfort us and help us. Lord Jesus, I see why it was the advantage that You went away. Because He lives inside of us, and He is You, and He is the Father, as You are three in one, and one in three. You are one God in three parts. Live in us more, Lord. Take over me more. All those that are listening that are Yours, take over them more. May they live for you more every day. And those that aren't yours that are listening to this now, I pray that they would surrender to your ways and to your will and lose their lives in you and surrender to you and fall on their knees and repent of their sins before it's too late for them because you've reached out to them their whole lives off and on, but they reject you. And if they don't want you now, 
They're not going to want you then, God. I pray that they would turn and want you now and see your love for them and how much you gave for them and the benefits of even just knowing you now. That we get to know you and have fellowship with you. That we get to hear you and speak with you. Reach out to them now. Spirit, give life to all those that are listening that aren't yours. And I ask these things and pray them in Jesus' name. Amen.